Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Hey, if we've never got the opportunity to meet, as Evan said, my name is Matt, and I get to serve on staff here at Buckhead Church as our uh, next-gen director, but also as our college pastor. And really quick, I'd love just to uh, give you a glimpse into what we're experiencing in our college ministry at the living room. Uh, We meet on Monday nights at 8 p.m., and so I told Evan this morning when I got here around 7.30 a.m., I said, uh, typically on Monday nights, like I'm drinking coffee to try to stay awake as I get up to preach around 8.30 p.m. This morning, it was the opposite was to wake up. And so this is a little different, although it's 1130 now. So I feel much more, you know, in my zone. Um, But yeah, let me tell you a little bit about our college ministry. So we reach college students from all across the city of Atlanta. Uh, We send transportation to seven of the different campuses that we reach on Monday nights. So we send shuttles and provide Uber codes to help students overcome the obstacle of transportation of getting here because many students don't have uh, a car on campus. They don't have transportation. And uh, we they come, they show up, we feed them, and then we have a gathering, and we have small groups that meet all across uh, this building, and it is incredible. I get asked uh, consistently uh, a lot by, by people, not just from our church, people from the community, people from other churches, like, hey, Matt, what are you seeing? Because of my role, like, what are you seeing in the next generation, in Gen Z? Like, what do you think about the, the future of the church? And the first thing I typically say is, hey, well, uh, they're not just the future of the church, they're the church of today, like right now. Um, but what I'm seeing is amazing things. Like you need to know the church is in really good hands. The future of the church, not just our church, but the church, the capital C church is in really good hands. What I'm seeing in the next generation is a desire to want to grow as followers of Jesus. I'm seeing a willingness, like a a passion to not just come and experience what faith can be, but then to go and invite others to come and see as well. It's one of the reasons our college ministry is growing the way that it is, is because students are inviting their friends, they're inviting their roommates, their teammates, their classmates. Just this past Monday night, y'all, we got to have a silent disco here at Buckhead Church. If you don't know what a silent disco is, it's cool. Let me just tell you, it's where you wear like these headphones and they light up and there's DJs on the stage. We had three different DJs and you can like switch channels depending on what DJ you want to tune in with. And let me just show you a picture of this past Monday, a few days ago. Almost 800 college students in this space, filling this room, having fun, starting to realize, like really own the fact that the church is a place where you celebrate. The church has the greatest reason to celebrate. So man, I could go on and on, but I'm just so passionate and pumped up about what God's doing in the next generation. And can I just say this, on behalf of hundreds and hundreds of college students and their families, thank you. For all of you who so deeply invest into our church through, through your time, through your prayers, through your finances and resources, thank you. It's because of you and it's because of all of us leaning in together as a church 
that we're able to create and invest in ministries like this, the living room, and and invest in the faith of the next generation, including college-aged adults. And so I'm so honored and grateful to be a part of a a church like ours that gets to do that. Um, But hey, a little bit more about myself that'll help you get to know me just a little bit better. Uh, I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, moved from St. Louis to Atlanta about six and a half years ago uh, with my wife, Ann. And Ann and I now have two uh, beautiful daughters. In fact, here's a picture of my family. This is my crew. Uh, This is my wife, Ann. Ann and I will celebrate 10 years of marriage this June. Uh, So that's pretty awesome and exciting. And these are my my two girls. This is my oldest daughter, Willow. Uh, Willow is four. And this is my youngest, Naomi. She goes by Nomi and uh, Nomi's one and a half. And this picture was taken uh, towards the end of 2022. So like, I think it was like one of the last few days of the year. And if I remember correctly, it was cold. Like it was like mid thirties. And so I'm not really sure why my daughters chose to put on the pool floaties, um, but that's what they're rocking in this photo is the vibe of the day. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, But I love my crew. I love being a girl dad. It really is the best. Um, But hey, we've been in this series called Struggle Bus. And Struggle Bus Part 1, Clay Scroggins was with us talking about this idea of training versus trying. And then last week, Struggle Bus Part 2, April Farmer was here, and she gave a great talk on the topic of comparison and how comparison kills. And today, Struggle Bus Part 3, we get to wrap up this conversation. And here's what I know to be true about the Struggle Bus, is that all of us, if we're being honest, all of us currently in some area of our lives, we would say we're, we're either on the struggle bus right now, we, we will be at some point in the near, near future, or maybe we just were, like we feel like we just got off the struggle bus. And we all know what it's like to be on the struggle bus, right? Like we've all experienced it. It's that moment or that season in your life where you feel tired and you're not even sure why. Like an extra cup of coffee won't fix it. A good night's sleep doesn't even necessarily solve it. You're constantly worn down, you're frustrated, you're easily irritable, you're consistently discouraged. And even if you don't have the words to to put around the emotions that you're feeling or experiencing, you would just say, overall, it just feels like I'm on the verge of giving up. Like, I just feel like I'm ready to throw in the towel, I'm ready to quit, I'm ready to step away, I'm ready to give up. In fact, I can remember back to when I was in college. It was my second year of college, I believe. I was going to community college at the time and didn't really know what I wanted to do yet with my life, like the, the career path I wanted to pursue, the major I wanted to, to try to um, achieve. And so I was just getting like my associate's degree. And there's this list of um, like elective courses that I had to take. And so I'm looking at this list and I knew I had to take a few of these classes in order to meet the requirements for this degree program, this associate's degree. And I'll be honest with you, I was looking at the list, not trying to find the classes that I thought would be helpful for me or the classes that intrigued me or interested me, but more so just the class or the classes that I felt like would be easy, right? And so I find this class and it's called Health and Personal Hygiene. To to which I was like, that feels good. I'm 19, I think I can figure this out. So I sign up for it after the fact, find out that this is a uh, two hour long lecture each week that meets on Friday mornings at 8 a.m. And uh, I was like, well, I'm in, it's cool. And so I lived about 25 minutes away from campus. So I knew I had to wake up a little bit earlier and you know, to get on the road and beat traffic if I was gonna be there on time. And uh, my, my wife, Ann and I, at the time we were dating, we were in a long distance relationship. Like I was in St. Louis, Missouri. She's in South Carolina attending Clemson. And so it, it's a long distance relationship. We'd stay on, on the phone late at night. You know, I'm just giving you a little bit of context for the season of life I'm in. 
And so I remember I show up to this class, right? And I'd always be rolling in a few minutes late. And typically when I walked into the classroom, I looked as if I could use a class on personal hygiene. (laughs) And I remember about six weeks into this semester, my professor, and she was one of the best professors I've ever had in college, made a huge impact on my life. But I remember about six weeks in, one day my, my professor's teaching and she pauses her lecture and she says, hold on class, I'm so sorry. And she looks over and looks me square in the eyes and said, Mr. Noblet, you've got to figure this out and get yourself together. And then she goes on, she's like, you roll in every single Friday morning, a few minutes late at best. You're, you're, you're looking like a mess. You're halfway asleep. You make me feel like I'm wasting your time. And let me just say this, you are on the verge. If you don't change things, if you don't shift and go in a new direction, you're on the verge of not passing, of not getting credit for health and personal hygiene. To which I thought about it and I thought about it and reflected on her comments and thought, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's 100% correct. Like I could feel it. I-, I knew that things weren't going well. I-, I knew that I was struggling to find rhythms, consistent rhythms in my life. And I was lacking discipline and I was, was not showing up my best, like bringing my best. I-, I knew this wasn't the way that I want it to be. But it was like the things that I knew I needed to do, I didn't do, and the things that I didn't really want to do and that weren't good for me, those were the things that I was doing. And don't you know what that's like, what that feels like? To experience a moment or season in your life where you're stressed out, you're burned out, you're maxed out, you're just on the struggle bus and you feel like you've firmly planted your feet and you're not sure if it's even possible for you to get off. And the reality is, is if you choose to give up, if you choose to quit, then it's very possible that you'll actually find a way to make the struggle bus feel comfortable. To to, to make the struggle bus feel like, it's just my new normal. It's just life. It's what I need to be content with. Things aren't gonna change. I've tried, it's too hard. It's too much of a struggle. But what if I told you that the setback or the setbacks that maybe you've experienced that you feel like led you onto the struggle bus, that that might actually be a setup for what God wants to do in and through your life moving forward. That the setback might be a setup, that God can actually use the struggle bus for good in our lives if we trust and follow him and are obedient and allow him to do whatever the work is that he wants to do. That he can actually use the struggle bus. That's, that's, where our text is going today. We're gonna be in Luke chapter five here in just a second. And this text is all about this, that God can use the struggle bus for good. And in fact, there's a principle that we see all throughout the scriptures that God often does his greatest miracles when we're at our lowest moments. Like God can work in any season at any time, however he so chooses. But we see a principle in the scriptures that he often does his greatest work, his greatest miracles in our lives when we're at our lowest moments, that he uses unlikely conditions to perform great miracles. So good news for you. If you feel like you're on the struggle bus and if you feel like there's no hope that you're ever really going to get off, the conditions are just right for God to show up and to move and to actually use the struggle bus for something good in your life. 
So we pick up the text, Luke chapter 5. Jesus had begun his public ministry. He's traveling from town to town, uh, performing miracles, teaching people, saying things they've never heard. And we pick it up in the gospel, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So I find this so fascinating because currently I am giving my best attempt to communicate or to preach the word of God. But the people in this crowd, um, they were literally listening to the very words of God, the very breath of God. Text goes on, verse two. It says, he saw at the water's edge, speaking of Jesus, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So these fishermen, they were wrapping it up for the day. They were finished. They were about to head on and head home for the night. And it goes on, verse three. It says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So I just need to pause here for a second because when I read the scriptures, um, I like to like imagine what's going on. And so I just read this, I read verse three here, and I think to myself, this seems strange. Like this just feels a little odd to me. And let me, let me explain. Like um, Simon, who, who later would become known as Peter, same guy, Simon Peter, um, he sees that like Jesus, gets in his boat, right? And so Jesus just goes and he, he just gets in this boat. He sees this boat and he gets into it. Maybe he knew whose who's it was, maybe he didn't. And then Simon Peter comes over and, and he's like, hey, um, can I take it out for, for, for a spin? Like, can I use your boat? And if you're like, hey, Matt, I don't really think that that's that strange. It's the scriptures, just go with it. Okay, then go try this today in the Buckhead Church parking garage. Like <laughs> after service, Go down to the garage, just find a car and just one that's maybe unlocked and just get in and just wait. And when the owner of the vehicle comes out and they're like, what are you doing? Just be like, it's cool. Can I just have your keys? I'm gonna take it for a spin down Piedmont. <laughs> like, I think this is strange that Jesus just gets in this boat. Simon Peter was probably paying really close attention at this point, thinking Jesus didn't have to use my boat, but, but, but he chose to. Peter was probably thinking, why would the one who can walk on water have any use for my boat? Like that would have been a lot better, Jesus. If you would have just moonwalked out onto the water, started teaching the people, that would have been powerful. Why are you using my boat? Certainly in this moment, Jesus would have had Peter's full undivided attention. Text goes on. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now this request is is very possible, but it seems unreasonable because it would be costly. Like they had already cleaned up their nets for the day. They were most likely tired, ready to get home. And this was certainly an unexpected interruption. They didn't see this coming. And it's important to note that Jesus doesn't always tell us, us why. He doesn't always tell us why. He doesn't always tell us exactly the reason why he's asked us to do something or what's to come. He doesn't necessarily give us all the details, but he will give us opportunities to trust him. And so look at the way Simon responds. Simon answered, master, a sign of respect. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Simon's like, master, we went fishing when we were supposed to go fishing and the fish weren't biting. Like, Jesus, you're a great preacher, carpenter. We're fishermen. We know how this whole thing works. 
They're not biting. Like we've been on the struggle bus today. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're, we're ready to call it quits. We'll get back at it tomorrow. Like this isn't happening. And I need you to know that it's okay to be honest with God. I think for some of us, we feel like there's moments in our life where we can't actually give God the full, full truth of what we're feeling. In this moment, Simon Peter is honest with God. He's letting him know what he's thinking, what he's experienced, what he's feeling. And Peter had options. Like he didn't have to step out and trust Jesus in this moment. He didn't have to be obedient, but Peter could have said no. He could have walked away. And let me just make this personal and just pause and ask you a question. What are you on the verge of walking away from? What feels difficult in your life right now? What has you feeling like you're on the struggle bus and you don't know if it's possible for you to get off? What relationship are you on the verge of walking away from? What opportunity are you on the verge of walking away from? What is it that you're ready to give up? You're ready to quit because God often steps in when we're about to give up. And this is exactly what was about to happen in this story. God was about to step, step in. Jesus was about to do something amazing. And look at the way that Peter responds. He says, but because you say so, because you say so, these words have the power to shift the trajectory of your life. It's going to cost me, but because you say so, I'll trust you and I'll follow you, Jesus. I won't be able to explain it to all my friends. They're not gonna understand, but because you say so, I'll do it. I'll apologize. I'll ask for forgiveness. I'm not exactly sure where this is going to lead. I don't really fully understand what you're doing, but, but, but because you say so, it doesn't make complete sense yet. But because you say so, I'll say yes. I'll trust you. I'll make that change. I'll do it. Peter's faith in this moment was about to intersect with God's faithfulness and it would change the course of his life forever. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Peter wasn't fully sure what was to come, but he trusted Jesus to step out in courageous obedience and take his next step. He didn't know exactly what Jesus was doing in this moment. He, he probably still was like, this doesn't make sense. This feels difficult. This is confusing. People are, are wondering why I'm doing this. Like I have every reason it feels like to say no and to just go on with my day. But Jesus, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. I'll go with it. I'll be obedient. I'll follow you. I trust you. And when they had done so, when they were obedient, when they took action, courageous obedience without guaranteed results requires faith. And in this story, Jesus wasn't so concerned with filling their fishing nets. He, he wanted to grow their faith. He says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So like they, they had their greatest catch ever. 
And so they're like, hey, call the other guys, get them over here. And they called everyone over as they couldn't believe what they were witnessing, what they were experiencing. This was by far the largest catch of fish that they had ever experienced. I tried to like research how many fish it would take to sink a boat. I couldn't find an exact number, but can you just imagine how many fish it would take on a boat for the boat to start to sink? And this was happening in multiple boats. Like they had to be thinking, this is crazy. Like what in the world? We were on the struggle bus today. We hadn't caught anything. And now we're experiencing these, these blessings that are overwhelming. We don't even know what's going on. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished they were blown away at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So Peter's like, Jesus, this is overwhelming. If, if only you knew who I really was. If only you knew like what my thoughts were. If only you knew my heart. Jesus, like there's no way I'd be, you probably chose the wrong guy. Like you probably messed this one up. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus is like, hey, hey, I'm doing more than you know. I didn't choose the wrong guy. I chose you on purpose for a purpose. Don't be afraid. From now on, I'm gonna redefine your purpose. From now on, you're gonna fish for people. And this next verse, the final verse in our text this morning, verse 11, it's a verse that has been challenging me all week in my preparation. It's this right here. So they pulled their boats up on shore, both boats, left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything, including the fish, which to be honest with you, I think, man, I don't know that I would have responded that way. I'm not saying I wouldn't have followed, but I think first I would have been like, hey guys, hold up. Can we just go into town with these fish and cash out? Jesus, we'll give you a percentage. Don't worry. Like you name it, whatever you need it to be. We're good. We've got a lot. They left everything and followed him. I even wonder who came behind them. Like, who was it like, y'all are gone for real? Okay, we'll take these. Like somebody's life changed that day. They left everything, including the fish. Why? Why would they do this? Because they had found someone so much greater. And they said, no, 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 it's worth it. We'll let go of whatever is required because we don't wanna miss the moment. We don't wanna miss the opportunity to follow this man, to follow Jesus. So come on, let, let me just ask you, where in your life is Jesus calling you to trust him and follow, but you're still hanging on to the fish because you'll never regret the decision to leave the fish behind and follow Jesus in faith? Where is it that you know Jesus is calling you to trust him, to follow, to be obedient, to have courageous obedience, but you're like, oh, but this is comfortable. But I worked for, I earned this. This is my security. I'm not saying the fish are bad. I'm just saying, where have you said, no, I'm delaying. I'm saying, no, I'm denying. Where is it? 
that you need to just trust and you need to step out with courageous obedience and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I don't really know what's next, but because you say so, I will. In fact, Jesus, as he said, he came through on his word. He said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fish, fisher of man. I'm, you're going to fish for people now. Redefines his purpose. And Luke, the gospel of Luke is, is the only gospel that really has a sequel, has a continuation. And Luke expounds on his gospel in the book of Acts. And he talks about the church and how the church exploded and how it began, how it grew. And in Acts chapter two, there's this day recorded as the day known as Pentecost. And in Acts chapter two, there's this moment where we see Peter, same Peter in the story we just read, where we see Peter delivering this message to this crowd of people. And I just wanna read you a snippet of this message that Peter delivers to this crowd. In Acts chapter two, beginning in verse 36, says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I read this to you because this is an amazing moment, but I just have a, a thought, a question. Do you think that on this day, Peter thought to himself, Man, I really miss those fish. I just wish I could go back. What would have happened? How would my life have been different? Imagine my, my, my financial, financial picture would have changed. Surely I would have been more famous in the community. There's absolutely no way that in this moment, on this day, as Peter is preaching this bold message to these people and seeing thousands upon thousands of people respond, thousands of lives being transformed, there's no way that Peter even thought about those fish. God used Peter. Y'all, let me just tell you a little bit about Peter. Peter was impulsive. He, he was a know-it-all. He was oftentimes very violent. At one point in his, in his life, he cuts off a man's ear he had a filthy mouth. So whatever it is that's coming to your mind, I just wanna assure you, you're not disqualified from being used by God. You're not. The question is, does God have your yes? In the context of this story, can he use your boat? The boat represented Peter's gift. It represented his livelihood, what he was good at. Does God have access to your boat? Can he use the gifts and talents that he's given you to make a difference in this world? Does he have your attention? Because how many of you know that obedience requires attention, it requires focus. You can't be obedient to someone that you're not focused on. Does God have your attention? Because Jesus doesn't invade, but he will certainly interrupt. And so when he interrupts your life, you have the choice to dismiss the interruption or to deny the interruption completely or to say, hey, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm paying attention. You have my yes in advance. I trust you. 
Or maybe you could respond this way, because you say so. Because you say so, here it is again. Last time it was scary, it's, it's still scary this time, it's uncomfortable, but man, you're faithful, I trust you. You're better than whatever it is I'm holding on to. So because you say so, I'll follow. You never know where this response may lead. You and I, we, we have no idea what hangs in the balance of our willingness to step out and follow Jesus in courageous obedience. So where's your attention? Are you willing to allow God to interrupt your life? When is the last time that you were still enough for long enough to pay close enough attention to hear the voice of God in your life? When's the last time? I know we're all busy. I know we're all distracted. For some of you, you're already thinking about the things you have to do after service. Gotta go pick up my kids. I gotta go to this appointment. I gotta go meet this person. I gotta go get lunch. I gotta get ready for the big game tonight. Like I've got all these things going on. Oh, then it's a new week tomorrow. Oh, I forgot about that meeting I have. Oh man, oh, I'm stressed out about this. Oh, and then I forgot I gotta book that flight. Like there's all these things going on. When's the last time that you just were still enough for long enough to pay close enough attention? God doesn't invade, but he'll interrupt. And if we're willing to listen, He'll speak. I'll close with this story. I told you I have two daughters and since the day that each of them were born, every night that I get the chance to put them to bed, right before I put them down, right before I walk out of their room and say goodnight and close the door, I tell them three things. I whisper into their ear when they're still enough and just silent enough. I whisper into their ear, I say, your dad loves you. Your dad believes in you. And God is using you to do great things. Your dad loves you. Your dad believes in you. And God is using you to do great things. Why do I tell them that? Because I know that throughout the course of their life, they are going to experience some things that are difficult. Some trouble is gonna come their way. There's gonna be moments and seasons where they find themselves on the struggle bus. And in those moments throughout the course of their life, there are some anchors of truth that I want them to come back to, some things that I never want them to forget, that their dad loves them, that their dad believes in them, and that God is working in their lives and using them to do great things. And can I just be honest with you? I love my daughters so deeply, but I am an imperfect father. So let me just ask you this question. What might, come on, what might your heavenly father want to say to you? What does he want you to know? How does he want to encourage you? What truths does he want to speak over your life in this season? What, what anchors does he want you to hang on to no matter what this world throws your way? So I thought as we close out the service today, I'd give you a moment 20 or 30 seconds to just be still, to try to minimize any distractions and just for 30 seconds or so, which might feel like 30 minutes, to just sit and say, God, you have my attention. What do you wanna put upon my heart? What do I need to be reminded of? What do I need to know?
So come on, just, just take 30 seconds right now. he's saying to you. Maybe he's reminding you that you're enough. Maybe he's telling you you're going to make it. Your life has value. Maybe he's calling you to let it go. Whatever it is that you've been holding on to, let it go. Maybe he's reminding you that he's faithful, that he loves you, And the final question is, is when he speaks, when he nudges you, when he whispers into your heart, the final question that we have to be honest about, come face to face with is, is this question, will you trust him and follow? With courageous obedience, will you say, yes, Lord, I trust you, I'll follow you, wherever you lead, whatever it looks like. So Heavenly Father, thank you. God, thank you for your word that is alive and active. God, thank you for the fact that you never give up on us. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, that you're always faithful. You're always near. And so Lord, I pray for the person in the room today or the person watching online who feels as if they are, have been on the struggle bus for so long and they're without hope. They feel like there's no way that, that you could still work in their lives moving forward, Lord. I pray today that you'd give them a fresh start, that it would be as if you clicked the refresh button and today was a new chapter, a new beginning where they say, Lord, you have my yes, I trust you, lead me. So God, would you give us courage, to know what to do with what we just heard? And would you give us the wisdom to go and do it? And we'll give you all the glory. It's in your mighty name we pray this morning. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.